1: All right, Hurricane fans, tonight at 7, it's the 49th Annual University of Miami Sports Hall of Fame Induction Banquet at Jungle Island. This year's Hall of Fame class includes football's James Jackson, Darrell Williams, and Jeremy Shockey, baseball's Ryan Braun and Dan Davies, basketball's Stevie Edwards, and UM women's basketball coach Katie Meyer. For more information and tickets, go to umsportshalloffame.com. Even Skolnick back with Chris Perkins here on the program. We have the great honor of being joined by someone who used to join us quite a bit on the Orion Fuel and Downstairs Convenience Store's guest line. They are truly steps beyond convenient. And we can say, Mike, that we decided to have you on the show before any of this Fisdale stuff happened. So this, <laughs> I, I know I know you're probably getting bombarded with requests. This is Mike Wallace, uh, used to be with us here on 7-9 of the ticket and with ESPN. He now does a ton of work up with the Memphis Grizzlies in his new home. Thanks for joining us, sir.
2: Hey, no problem at all, man. I'm still with you. Don't say used to be with you. I'm still with you. I'm just a little bit separated. That's all. It's all still family.
0: Like I said, the original Mike Wallace. The first, the first Mike <laughs> Wallace in South Florida. Hey, and, and, the, and,
1: and the first thing that people wanted me to ask you on the text line was about your prediction that Orlando was going to be good this year. So, I, you know, I, they don't let you off the hook. They remember everything you say, even if you haven't been saying it for several months. So.
2: Oh, man, I can't even remember that. So I must have been crazy when I said that. But, yeah, yeah. all right, I'll take it. I'll take it. You,
1: you, you'll take it. Speaking of taking it, taking that for data. um <laughs> <laughs> you you, you have you have a story. I, I think you just put out. Um, I was just uh, trolling your Twitter account. Uh, sort of the backstory behind this. Uh, give our listeners, and this is David Fisdale Yesterday, and now it's sort of the rant hurled around the NBA. But uh, what, what what is the backstory behind it?
2: I mean, this this thing is is about three four weeks in the making. You know, especially when you know when it comes to playing the San Antonio Spurs. So. For whatever reason, there was a quirk in the schedule, in the regular season schedule, that had the Spurs and the Grizzlies playing three times in a stretch of 18 days in the final month of the season, basically. And then when you factor in the fact that they play in the first round, this is the fifth time that they played since March 18th. So, you know, Fisdale has had some issues before in this series. There was a game uh, about three weeks ago in San Antonio when uh, CBS Sports put out a story or, or, or a tweet that said uh, uh, Sean Wright, one of the officials, whenever he's he's when he, when he's when assigned to the San Antonio Spurs, they're 20-0 in the last 10 seasons. Yeah. And so when Fizdale got a hand, you know, found out about that, uh, you know, that really, really frustrated him, you know, going into that game. And then it was a poorly officiated game as well. Both Pop and Fiz almost got thrown out of that one. The next time they played a week later, Mike Conley gets head-butted by Kawhi Leonard trying to cut towards the basket. Um you know, off of a screen, and Conley gets hit with the offensive foul, and he's the one with the stitches across his face. So he's bleeding on the floor, and he gets hit with the offensive foul on that. So, you know, that they both, you know, went off on the officials after the game, after that privately. So Fisdale has been stewing, you know, when it comes to the way the Spurs get these calls, when it comes to the Grizzlies, when it comes to Mike Conley's lack of uh, respect league-wide. Um, considering his, you know, his contract status and his status in the league. So, you know, when he walked to that podium, you know, I talked, I had a chance to talk to him because I do our post-game and pre-game TV show uh, here in, and man, I'm getting my Jason Jackson on, basically, yeah. is what I'm doing out here. <laughs> and, uh, and and so Fizz pulled me aside, and he was like, man, look, I'm about to get fined for this, but um, I gotta do what I gotta do. And then he went off into the podium, and and said what you guys heard. So basically my column details the backstory story uh, to everything that led up to it. It was calculated, but it was also spontaneous in some ways. But still, it's one of the greatest rants that I think we've heard in some time now.
0: Oh, that was great. Mike, we got a couple of people on the, uh, on the text line asking for a mic check and somebody supporting you with the Orlando Magic, saying Orlando was good enough to beat the Heat three out of four. So, <laughs> so, so so the people still love you down
2: here. Yeah, yeah, well, good. Hopefully, man, I hope so, because I still consider Miami home, man, and I'm looking forward to getting back there uh, pretty soon, too, at some point.
0: Hey, let me ask you this, because I asked Ethan this about Fisdale's rent, and I, I know that it was genuine and, and things will change in game three, but do you think that, uh, that had, should one of the Grizzlies players – be working the refs during the game, massaging them, trying to, trying to get some calls. This is a veteran team. I I can appreciate Fisdale saying what he said. What do these yeah. veteran players need to be doing on the court to that end?
2: Well, well, to some degree, Fisdale did what he did because his guys aren't really that way. You know what I mean? Those guys aren't really guys that do a lot of talking to officials. They don't complain a lot. Mark DeSaul and Mike Conley are two of the most upstanding you know, class personified guys that you're going to find in the league. You know what I'm saying? They're sort of like built in that mode. You remember like Chris Bosh really never said mm-hmm. a whole bunch to the officials. You know, real stoic-like and, and that kind of thing. He wasn't like LeBron or Dwayne where they were very demonstrative and, and, and outwardly expressive towards the officials. So Fisdale is having to be the bad cop for these guys, and he was willing to take the bullet for that. Going into game three, that game is going to be here in Memphis. So you know that, you know, you're going to get the emotional boost from the crowd. Man, they're already selling bootleg and legitimate Fizz T-shirts now, you know, with his slogans on them. So that didn't take long at all, man, to, to take that for data and the dang on rook us, That's already on, you know, on display right now. And um, so it's going to be crazy. You know, you're going to have the 3-6 Mafia old, stomp that trick, whoop that trick music playing. On. So it's, it's going to be a raucous environment. And I think that the officials aren't going to be too caught up in that, but it is going to be emotional. At the end of the day, man, you still got to stop the Spurs, and the Spurs just have a big – talent uh uh advantage right now especially when it comes to Kawhi Leonard.
1: Well, one of the things I liked we're talking to Mike Wallace here one of the things I liked was that uh Fizz comes out and says I'm not a numbers guy. But <laughs>
2: here are a bunch of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. He said that and uh he said that to um you know to to basically underscore his point. You know, he had his whole staff of assistants and you know the, The Grizzlies have, you know, an analytical team, and obviously John Hollinger is in the front office. So, you know, he had all the data he needed the moment he walked into the uh, the locker room after the game. And so, again, everything that he spewed out was already well-researched. He paced in the hallway because Pop went first. When you're when you're the winning coach, you go first in the post game, uh, in the playoffs. So that gave Fizz even more time to go over the data. He sent the data back into the locker room to make sure that the assistants had it right. So by the time he got to that podium, that's why he was able to spit out all those numbers as if it was coming off the top of his head. And Perko appreciate this man. The best part of the whole rant was when he smacked the table yes. and was like, "Take that." And I told him on the plane afterwards, man, I was like, man, you smacked the table like you had Domino up in there. That's you know talking. what I'm saying? So, so, <laughs> like <so>, he <laughs> like was Denny Green. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. Like he had Domino the big six or something. And uh, and uh, and so that was the South Central coming out in Fizz, man. And, you know, again, that's going to make them beloved here, even more so in Memphis. But like I said, at the end of the day, these Spurs aren't to be trifled with, man. These dudes are legit. Kawhi Leonard is having the most dominant two-way performance I've seen since LeBron was in his prime in Miami, and uh, those guys are going to be tough to tackle.
0: So can the Spurs beat Golden State? Can the the Spurs emerge from the the West, which I I guess means beating Golden State?
2: Well, I mean, if you remember, I mean, they laid the wood to Golden State in the very first game of the season when they first got Kevin Durant. I mean, they sort of spoiled his coming-out party. And then this is the Spurs team that's won back-to-back 60-win seasons for the first time in franchise history. So, despite all those championships, you would have thought that they would have done this before. And yet, this team, without Tim Duncan and, and basically shifting into Kawhi Leonard's team, is doing things that this franchise hadn't done before. So, I do think they have the defense to do it. They're the number one ranked defensive team, uh, efficiently rated in the league. You know, Golden State is there too. So, it's going to be it's going to be a big time challenge for them in this in this series in this situation. So. You know, as they progress, you know, it's about staying healthy. As we see, Kevin Durant uh, is questionable going into game two because of a calf strain. And, you know, those things can happen to teams here and there, but they're playing – Spurs are playing, you know, pretty good basketball right now. One other thing I want to say about Fizz, too, man, coming into this series, throughout the season, he's given so much love and respect uh, to Pat Riley and Eric Spolster and everything that's gone on in Miami. But right before – right after they got their first playoff practice going, he said that um, the first thing he told his team was, look – you know, look at Miami. Look what Miami did. They fought their asses off for the second half of that season, overcoming, you know, that 30, uh, 11 to 30 start, and they fell one game short of the playoffs. So you better appreciate the fact that we're in. I don't care we're in seventh, but we're in, and, you know, you don't take that for granted. So, you know, Spolstron and Fisdale have been communicating all throughout the season, one way or another. So Fisdale definitely still has you know, that bond and that connection with Miami. And he talks about it all the time with me, with me on and off the record.
1: Mike, what is your impression of what Miami did this year? And do you think it's sustainable? If you were, if you were the heat, what direction would you take here? Would you try to bring that group back that went 30, 30 and 10 or 30 and 30 and 11 second half of the season?
2: Yeah. You know what, Ethan? It's funny because when that season started, we were still there, you know, I was still doing the show with you and, and, you know, we were setting the win projections for that team and we said they would be lucky to win between 38 and 41 games. And at the end of the day, that's exactly where they ended. I don't want to say lucky to get there, but that's what they were. It just depended on whether Bosch was going to be a factor or not. And he obviously wasn't. Um, I was impressed. I, I was totally impressed with them and what they've done, you know, since that 11-30 start. Everybody in the league was impressed by that. No one wanted to see them in the first round. As you can see, if, you, if they would have gotten in at eight, I would have almost picked them to either go seven or win that series against Boston because – there's nothing about the Boston Celtics that scare me at that point. If you're the Miami Heat playing the way you played, but you don't get in. So in a way, you can look at that too as sort of the best of both worlds. You even your record, so you go, you avoid the losing season, and you still get an outside lottery chance to improve your uh, your draft stock. So you know we'll see where it goes, but it certainly was impressive for sure.
0: So uh, Mike, who, who was your MVP? And any answer other than Russell Westbrook is wrong.
2: Yeah, see, you, know what, you know what, Perk, um, I went on record in February, I went on record in March, all the way into the last two and a half weeks of the regular season, Kawhi Leonard was my MVP. Mm. And, 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 and he was, because when you look at what he was doing statistically, defense, I mean, this is a two-time reigning defensive player of the year, and now he's averaging elite numbers offensively as well. There are teams that treated Kawhi, and Perk, you know this from covering football as well, Ethan, you too, that they treated him like he was a cover corner like Dion and, like, you know, Revis and all those guys, they would teams wouldn't even run their offense to his side of the floor. So it's not like they ran at him and he got defensive numbers. An entire side of the floor was basically ignored when Kawhi was on the floor mm-hmm. uh, from a defensive standpoint. So the way he played defensively and dominated and offensively, I thought he had the most complete season. He's the most complete player to me until the last two and a half weeks. And that's when I saw Russell Westbrook twice in person, um, and, and the fact that he galvanized the league on the road, they were chanting MVP for him. He knew what he needed to do to catch Oscar, and he did everything he needed to do to catch him. He lifted that franchise. Without him, they would be nothing. Um, you know, they were three or four games away from winning 50 games. You know, just the fact that he did that, when when you lose an elite player like a Kevin Durant, you're supposed to be in the lottery. Miami got there without, you know, uh, LeBron James the first time. You know, other teams have done that. Dwight left and Orlando, went into the lottery. You know, Oklahoma City didn't. They're in the sixth seed, and they have a chance to win the first-round series. So that was worthy of MVP to me at the end of the day.
1: Mike, you got a mic check here?
2: Thirty seconds. I I've been mic checking. Yeah. Like the last... <laughs> yeah, that's
1: true. That's true, man. For the
2: well, last minutes, man. I apologize. This train rolling through, man. No, so. that's, that, that's
1: okay. That's just train of people trying to talk to you. Well, thanks, man. We we appreciate it. Take that for data. Don't be a stranger. Uh, I don't know how long your playoff run's going to go, but if it does go much longer, we'd like to have you on again.
2: Hey, anytime, guys, take it easy, man. And uh, I'm telling you, if you guys get to Memphis, man, Chris, you know what I'm about to say. Gus's is on me, baby. That's it. That's it. I'll be
0: there. I'll I'll be there. Don't worry.
1: All right. right. Watch out for that train and take that for data. We'll be right back on 7 Night of the Ticket. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.